With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Think you can't get better value? Think again. 10% bigger dividends when you bet direct with Tote Plus at tote.co.uk. Welcome aboard the gravy train as we go in search of winners for the weekend in the company of the Racing Post reigning NAPS champion of 2020 for the flat season. It is the return of the Irish Fields and Final Furlong Podcast legend Rory DeLarge. Welcome back, sir. Hello there. And uh, good to have you back. Good to have you sounding good and refreshed. Good to be alive. (laughs) (laughs) That's about it. That's about the long and the short of this. Good to be alive. It was odds against at one stage, but the boogie's got it wrong. Don't even joke. Don't even joke about that. Uh, I'm Emmett Kennedy. Delighted to uh, guide the Good Ship Final Forum podcast and uh, the still... Thankfully, standing Rory DeLarge, uh through our weekend's best bets. We're going to start at Haydock and at Sandown. And in a bizarre twist, Rory, the official ground at Haydock right now, as I have it, is good. Whereas the ground at Sandown, <gasps> good to soft. What kind of Twilight Doctor Who world is this? Well, you've still got, you've still got time for that to be turned into its head. Good, good to soft in places, I believe, at Haydock and good to soft. Um, it's softer on the on the sprint track at Sandown, but I think it's kind of good to soft, good places on the on the round course. But there's a possibility of a little bit of rain tomorrow and Saturday at Sandown. So watch this space, indeed, and uh, particularly when it comes to horses who are going to need changes in the going. Uh, also, any bets that you're placing day of race, you got to be placing them with Tote. And I'm not just saying oh, bet with whatever sportsbook company you have that have an affiliate deal with Tote. I'm talking about directly with Tote. Tote.co.uk, Tote.ie, the official Tote app. Tote Plus is a complete game changer. Not only will they guarantee to match the SP, but Tote Plus will give you 10% on top of your winnings. It's free money! Free money! So... This happens every day of the week. They don't just pick one meeting. It happens with racing across the UK and Ireland. And uh, if you want to get stuck in to Haydock and Sandown, if you want to sit back and relax and enjoy it, the best value is going to be Tote Plus. So tote.co.uk, tote.e, or the official Tote app. The first race, 240. Haydock is the Lancashire Oaks. And uh, Alpinista heads the betting, uh, which has just been revised in front of my eyes. Nine to four is the best price that you can get a better. Two to one generally. Then Mystery Angel, 11 to two. Dubai Fountain, high hopes for her at the start of the season. Six to one. And Tribal Craft is eight to one. Rory DeLarge, what's your thoughts? Uh, at those prices, I'm drawn to Tribal Craft. Um, Alpinista, the the one to beat, little doubt about that. She was due to run in the um, in the Pinnacle Stakes over course and distance last time, a race that was won by La Lune, uh, but she was withdrawn there. Um, and La Lune beat Cavaletta. Cavaletta just become a little bit disappointing, it has to be said. Don't think that was a great race, uh, even for the the grade. Uh, and this is a um, this is a Group Two compared to that uh, Group Three. 
uh, up against it, you'd imagine she would have won that if she'd been uh, uh, able to take her chance last time. She doesn't want the, uh, much given the ground, but we're probably looking at goodish ground for Haydock. It's, a, it's a, uh, obviously a bit of a lawn to itself. Um, but she deserves to head the market on the pick of her form. Um, her uh, defeat of Macaui, first time out at Goodwood, um, she didn't have to be at her best that day to win narrowly, won by short head. Uh, not much um, not much between the pair um, on that evidence. Uh, Macaui's been placed twice since, but on her latest start, um, uh, I'm sorry, her two starts ago, she was behind Tribal Craft, uh, who won the Bronte Cup in very good style um, at York. Now, that's that's an improvement in form from last season for Tribal Craft, but she'd been second on her previous start in the Buckhound Stakes at Ascot um, behind Alba Flora. Um, as I said before, I, I rate that form um, more highly than it generally has been. Um, Alba Flora, obviously, has been beaten a couple of times since. She ran, she ran pretty well in the Hardbrook Stakes over the course and distance. Never really got a chance to get going, but was um, was going on nicely at the finish. And Tribal Craft, who was beaten seven lengths that day, came out and won really well um, at York. Um, again, that form has worked out well. Outbox, who was fourth at Ascot, um, was a winner last weekend. Uh, a new marker, Roberto Escobar, won next time out. The form fundamentally has worked out pretty well. Um, it, the question is whether you think that that um, a lot of horses in the Ascot race didn't give their running. But even, you know, even with that argument, you're left with the fact that Tribal Craft went to York on her next start. Um, and won what looked a competitive group three by two and three quarter lengths, um, beating a very reliable performer, Macaulay, into third. Um, she was three and a half lengths behind. On a line through the favourite, Travel Craft shouldn't be, shouldn't be three and a half times the price um, of Alpinista. And I think eight to one is just too big a price for her. With Haley Turner on board for the very much inform Andrew Balding. Eight to one is indeed, as Roy said, the best price that you can get. Uh, this brings us to the 315, the old Newton Cup, which is one of Rory's all favourites. Um, pardon the pun, because he has crushed this race in the past. There used to be a time you just backed Luca Kamani's horse blind, but not exactly an option for us anymore. Uh, Longsider heads the betting at seven to one. Um, Grand Bazaar is as big as eights, but I could quote the shortest price, but Rory's head might explode. Uh, Zabil Champion, eight to one. Valerian Steel, go on, Game of Thrones. Uh, nine to one with Ade, uh, a tens shot, and Midnight's Legacy, twelves. We'll throw in my Frankel as well, or Richard Kingsgoat for fourteens as well. Um, how do you break this race down, Rory? Well, it's a pretty competitive um, affair, although most of the... Um most of the runners here are, are fairly um, exposed in handicaps. The, the blindingly obvious um, exception to that is Longsider, um, who sneaks in at the very bottom of the weights, um, which, of course, these days is still 10 rather than rather than seven odd stone as it used to be in the old days. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's making his handicap debut. Uh, he's, not, he's not your archetypal um, Sir Mark Prescott's handicapper. In that he didn't actually start off with Sir Mark Prescott in the first place. He started off with um, uh, with David Lanigan, um, who's now uh, relocated to the States, isn't he? Yes. Um, but he made a um, a winning start for Sir Mark um, in a uh, mile and a half novice at um, at Lingfield, um, beating a subsequent winner um, pretty easily. Uh, which has done pretty well since actually Raymond. Uh, looking uh, for all the world like a like a very useful handicapper, 
um, there were um, that was that was a, a fairly solid event for the time of the year. I mean, it was a it was run in February. Um, he's not been seen since, and you can you can take that as a uh, as a bit of a negative. But we know he goes well fresh based on on the evidence of, of that run. Um, he was giving five pounds to an older horse that day as well, and as I said, um, uh, Raymond has done pretty well since in the straight line construction um, colours. Um, he has um, won three um, of his uh, six starts or seven starts since then, uh, including a decent Class 3 handicap at York in May, uh, which he won off a, uh, off a mark of 84. Uh, and he was, of course, um, not beaten far uh, when making the frame in the... Um, the Northumberland Vase, the the, um, the constellation race for the uh, the Northumberland Plate at Newcastle last weekend. So, um, given that you know he's a horse who's capable of, of winning handicaps of marks in the high eighties, longsider who who give him weight and give him a comfortable beating early in the year looks really well handicapped up ninety two. Strictly speaking, one or two of these have achieved more, but he's uh, again in, in races like this, it's very hard to get into um, heritage handicaps. Uh, like this, um, while you're completely unexposed, and um, I think uh, Sir Mark has, has done a decent job of. Um, uh, well, he's always he's had to take a little bit of a, a gamble in getting alongside him here, but he's never been afraid of doing that, Sir Mark. Um, he knows he knows what kind of mark he wants to go to war with. Um, younger trainers trainers have not been doing this for, for literally fifty years, like he has. Um, might panic a little bit and go, oh, I want to get in this race and we need to make sure we get in, so I'm going to win an egg and spoon uh, contest before that. You either end up getting reassessed a stone higher or you get a penalty uh, to go with it. But so Mark, he'll have um, he'll have a number of handicaps uh, planned through the next two months for Longsider. Um, and um, uh, this is obviously uh, where he starts, but he's got... Um, uh, he's entered up at, uh, at uh, Newmarket for a similar race, the Beth Isaac Trophy. Mm. Um, at the the July festival uh, at Newmarket, and I guess you know partly in there in case he didn't uh, make the, the cut for this, but I suspect that um, he'll um, he'll happily let the horse take his chance if he comes good here. He's drawn until eighteen, and theoretically that's not a, that's not a great place to be. But in my opinion, um, you, you've only got to go through uh, some previous runnings of this. You get lots of you can get lots of trouble uh, towards the inside at, at Hayda, and. Plenty of examples of horses are coming from wide draws. Uh, you know, the last running of this, um, the winner was drawn 13, and you had a place horse coming out of stall 19. Um, uh, Kelly's Dino won it in, in 2019. I just, I'll, I'll not try to to filter any of this, um, any of these results. Just give you, uh, give you an idea of, of big field results. Kelly's Dino was drawn 18 uh, when winning this um, in a field of 17. Uh, interestingly, the the, the favourite that day, Alma Free for William Magus, was drawn in stall 19 and finished last. Got to mention that. Um, so a very wide draw can be a negative, but it can be a positive as well, depending on how you're ridden. Um, uh, we had a, a winner of the previous year, uh, Rainbow Rebel was drawn in stall two. Uh, the third was uh, came from stall three that day as well. Um, so there, are, you know, there are occasions where uh, um, where it's beneficial. That was on very fast ground. Um, where the uh, the inside draws tend to have an advantage, but I find in big fields and races like this, um, again, the the key thing is to look through previous results of the race and see whether whether you think the uh, the draw is going to be a hindrance. 
um, placed horses from 16 and 17 the previous year. I don't, I don't think the draw, essentially, I don't think the draw is going to be a, a problem. Um, and I don't think fitness is going to be a problem either. Uh, he's just he's just got um, got very obvious claims. Yeah, very unexposed um, as well, making his turf you know, debut. And he's you know he's priced accordingly, of course. But mm. it's one of those things you look you look at these contests and you know you're trying to weigh up potential against uh, proven form. And in order to get into decent handicaps, you've got to be rated in the mid 90s. And, and the best way of getting in the mid 90s in the first place is by showing your hand and showing exactly what you can do. So there are very few horses who get into these races who are ahead of the handicapper per se. You've got to be a um, you've got to be a group horse um, to be a, ahead of your mark, or you just you've just got to be totally unexposed with with natural progress coming. And um, other, you know, there's there's a few of these who could easily do better uh, if you are who are thoroughly exposed. Um, Ade's got got improvement in the me run um, pretty well the the Duke of Edinburgh last time out, um, and you know you you've got horses who've who've had their chances in group company. They, the Pablo Escobars, the Zabil champions, the Al the Alunax of the field, um, who've had their chances, plenty of them, as I said, um, who are capable in the day but fairly exposed. My Frankel, I suppose, could do could do better yet. He's he's only had um, three runs in handicaps. I wanted to ask you about him. I have two on my list. Yeah. One is my Frankel and the other is Soto Sizzler. So obviously neither are the most consistent, but I thought Soto Sizzler was worth another chance and was desperately unlucky at Epsom last time. That was my reading of it, and I think the 20s is fair. Um, you've made the case that the stall isn't really going to be an issue, so stall nine should be fine. And as for my Frankel, I have a feeling they were gearing him up for Royal Ascot and then decided not to uh, and come here instead, and it wasn't that there was any kind of a setback or anything like that. Um but he just does have a very interesting profile where he wins, blows out, wins, wins, blows out, wins, blows out. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the, the the question is getting to the bottom of why he's run appallingly. Yeah, um, and it has been started. appallingly. He, he's he's one of those Frankels who's who is um, too free for his own good, um, but he's clearly got tons of ability as he as he showed with that. Um, um, that win at uh, Kempton in April, but either side of that, uh, at the end of last season at Ascot, he was, he was very disappointing. Um, and then on his return to surf at uh, York in May, um, he was he was well fancied, and again ran no sort of race at all, beating over twenty five lengths um, in in eleventh that day. So he clearly has questions to answer. But as I said, he's only had the three. He's won one of three handicaps. He's run terribly in two of them, but he's run too badly to be true. Essentially, we know that we know that. Um, the form that he's shown is not um, is not indicative of, of uh, his ability, uh, and a couple of the you know other horses who ran really badly at that. And then York's one of those tracks where horses um, can run uh, very poorly. There are other fancied horses there: Attack Rear and Luigi Vampo, who finished behind him at York. Uh, both came out and ran ran very well on the next starts, um, and you know that might be you know Ascot was his last run of last season. You kind of forgive that. And York seems to be one of those tracks where a lot of horses, um, and I've spoken to, to, to trainers and owners who've had horses disappoint there, and they say there's, some, there's something about the track that although it should be absolutely fair, some horses just never seem to get going. They never seem to, the, the, the expression that was used by a friend of mine is that he said, you know, the wheels were spinning from the start. Mm. The horse never got, never got any purchase. And for whatever reason, a lot of horses just seem to run, not just you know, 10 or 12 pounds below form, but like three stone below form, like you want. 
Um, just, you know, they run no kind of race at all. So um, it's difficult. I find it difficult to bite my Frank on the back of that. But at the same time, I, can, I could perfectly understand him bouncing back. Um, you know, I would certainly be happier backing a horse like him with his form figures, you know, as you said, from the start of last season, first, first, last, first, last, almost. Well, he wasn't quite last at York, but he was well beaten. Um, I'd rather that than, than he was finishing sixth or seventh and having every chance. I just suggest that he's, that he's not particularly well handicapped. And obviously, you know, as is often the case, and I think this is a really um, a stupid way of doing things, the handicapper, when a horse runs as badly as he does, has a habit of dropping him a pound. <laughs> now, you either take a view that, that this is, the run is not indicative of what the horse is giving <laughs> at all and don't drop him at all, or you um, or you take the view that the horse is outclassed and, and drop him five or six pounds. I, I, this dropping a pound for, for getting beaten 25 lengths of the flat is, is you know, it's a crazy way of, um, of treating horses. But I guess it's, you know, you'll get horses who disappoint on a regular basis. And if you don't, if, you know, if they can't win, they end, they end up sort of not trying um, the horse that is rather than the connections. Um, then you you could find yourself in a situation where you, where you never drop that horse. Mm. Um, so but, but remember, but I, Rory, again, you know, remember the BHA handicapper be cray, yo. Well, that's I mean. The, the handicapping team have, always, have actually have always said, if a horse runs unaccountably badly, if it runs so badly that its run can't be true, then we will never drop it. And yet, they, and yet the evidence is those horses get dropped a pound. Always. Um, and it seems it just seems a, a, an odd way of doing things. But, um, you know, ideally you need to find a reason why a horse is running badly and then, and then um, decide what you do with it. And I, I see the, the frustration for trainers and owners. If you've got a horse who, who can't win, and you're and it's running so badly that it's not getting dropped at all. What exactly do you do with it? And the the answer there is you need to find a race in which the you need to have a, a program of races where you can find a race the horse will be competitive in. And often you'll get horses who are raced in the eighties, um, but you've got to run them in a claimer or a seller to prove that really they should be rated twenty pounds lower. Mm. Because in, in order to get down to the market they should be, you've got to run them so many times that you run out of options for the season. And it works differently in different jurisdictions, it works differently in the States, it works differently in, uh, in different parts of the world. We are we are hugely reliant on the handicap system. Um, and it has lots of lots of issues like this. But that's that's by that's, that's a bigger discussion for, for another day. Yeah, and we'll be um, irrelevant to this race. We'll we'll be tackling some big racing topics on, on Monday's show. As we will also be reviewing the racing, but there's a lot of stories to tackle. Good old Pro Kush has come back into the spotlight again. Thanks, Julie Harrington. Really appreciate that. That's fantastic. We were all doing so well. Oh, God. So your final selection is going to be Sir Mark Prescott and uh, Longsider. Yeah, Longsider uh, has, has got um, tons in his favour. You know, you, I'm not suggesting he's a, he's a cracking each way, but I think he's, I think he's arguably a win-only bet, um, given, you know, you, you do have to balance that lack of experience with his, his potentially lenient mark. Um but um, yeah, there's a lot of upside, a lot of upside to him, and he could be um, he could be a group horse coming into the season. I wouldn't be concerned at all about his. He's been off 147 days. Doesn't bother um, the status. He's he's in weeks. But this is Samar Prescott is a, is a trainer. He always has a vision for, for for his better handicappers, and he knows what races he wants to run them in. So he starts them at the time that fits their progression. Yeah. So if he's got a, if he's got a horse rated 55, who he thinks you know is capable of 
of running up a sequence. He gets him out that little bit. Or he doesn't like. He never. He's never liked getting his horses out before June, historically. Um, so you know he's he's one of the last big stables to bring the bring his horses out. He doesn't mind running them now in in, in uh, January and February to get the qualifying runs in. Um, but then he tend, then he leave them alone until the summer. Um, and the fact this horse is making his his um, turf debut at the age of four in July. Um, would normally ring alarm bells, but that will be absolutely part of the plan uh, with Sir Mark for this horse. Okay, so I'll do the box exacta with uh, Sir Mark's horse, my Frankel, and Soto Sizzler and make an absolute fortune uh, from Toad. Thank you very, very much. Um, or should that be known as a trifecta, indeed. Uh, so combination trifecta. And um, see you all in Dubai, folks. 150. Sandan as we switch tracks. Um, the Coral Challenge will be live on Racing TV Group 3. Arecibo heads the betting. Robert Cowell, uh, who specializes with sprinters. And Jamie Spencer on board is your 100 to 30 favorite. And that is the very best price that I can get you. Uh, came from the dark, who was a little bit unlucky last time out, or at least in some people's eyes. Uh, 9 to 2, Lazuli. Right, this is who I think wins. Obviously, he just got the better of came from the dark last time out. But I think there's improvement to come. And uh, Charlie Appleby be winning everything. Snatching up Irish derbies and everything. What's your take on this? I uh, came from the dark. Um, is a, I, 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 I love how no quickly you said here. that. I, I've said I've said for um, uh, for over a year and I came for dark is a, is a, um, um, a group sprinter. Yep. Um, you know, he's he's a late developer. Um he uh, he was a little little in and out last year, but he he justified um, um, my opinion of him by <coughs> uh, by winning uh, winning well, uh, and he's he's proved himself a better horse again this season. He's improved essentially with every start. Um, just into the, the run and his return at Muscle was only just beaten that um, won um, won a handicap of a mark of one hundred and one at, uh, at Newbury, um, and then confirmed that form. Uh, in the um, uh, beat Garris, of course, uh, on that occasion, confirmed the, the form with Garris. And uh, next time I was just unlucky, uh, and then he didn't, he couldn't get going at, at, at the right time in the Palace House. Um, but he finished with a real rattle to be beaten at neck by last July um, with uh, the likes of Emirasiana, Garris, uh, and RS Siebel behind. That form has worked out, has worked out well, obviously. RS Siebel um, has been a, a bit of a revelation for, for current connections. Uh, looked a very, very hard horse to win with uh, the last couple of seasons. Um, but Tom Morley, uh, who's a very, very good judge of a sprinter, um, paid um, paid decent money for him. Um, a few people questions, uh, questioned uh, that, uh, that wisdom, but he's um, been absolutely justified with two wins in Newmarket this season and a tremendous second in the Kingstown Stakes um, last time out. Um, and he should be suited by, by this track as a hold-up horse. Uh, with a strong turn of foot. So they're going to go, they should go fairly quickly here with a large line that go close to the front. Atalas Bay made all of a course and distance last time. I'd have thought he would go forward as well. But I think it'll set up for the, the hold-up horses. And the days when um, when you wanted to be drawn um, low over this course and distance, probably largely gone now. Um, you you know, there, there was a time when if you could get yourself onto the, uh, onto the far rail on the spring course, a great benefit. I remember a long, long time ago when you used to get big field sprints here. The stalls used to be on the stand side. 
Um, and when when you used to have um, the biggest draw biases is when you had a big field and the runners could get to the far side reel. You needed to have at least 16 runners to do that. And I remember, I remember one handicap where the first three home were the three highest numbers and the winner was 40 to one and the second was 20, 25 to one. Um, those were the days to take advantage of um, of draw biases. Uh, but but clerks are very well aware of, of perceived draw biases and they do everything they can to, um, to counteract them. And there isn't really, it's still possible to win, to win from stall one. But again, there tends to be, um, jockeys tend to still go for that rail. Uh, and that means that the horse that gets to the front usually has to go a little bit too fast to get there. Um, those sitting in behind on the rail are caught uh, in the lap of horses falling, falling, falling back, uh, or vice versa, rather. Um, and it's it's usually horses who are, who are able to, to make a move uh, from off the rail who are, who are favoured by the way races are on here. And I'd have thought both came from the dark and RSC will draw on seven and nine. Horses who do their best running late will be well suited by this. Uh, I certainly wouldn't rule RSC but white, um, but I would rather be with them, um, with came from the dark. Uh, assuming he's ready to go after a couple of months off, that's the only marginal question. But Ed Walker remains in good form. Uh, I'd say his his uh, Palatine's run is the best form in this race. Um, and I still think there's more to come. I, I, again, I've always maintained that with proper five furlong sprinters, they only tend to be coming into the room at the age of five. Uh, and they often improve from that. All you've got to do is look at look at um, uh, results for races like the Prix de la Baie, for example, and look at horses who were ordinary, very ordinary horses at three and four years old. Um, who then at six and seven turn out to be absolutely top-class sprinters, um, sometimes even older than that. So uh, I think um, there's still improvement to come from, from Kim from the dark. He's well-suited by a track with a stiff finish. Um, he ran very well at, uh, at Ascot as a three-year-old, for example. And I think this race will be run to suit. A flip-flop, and I'm following you in. Came from the dark, wins the Coral Charge, the 150 at Sandown, brings us to the 225, the Coral Challenge, over a mile, stalls on the inside, Mahatham, heads the betting at 5-1 to one for William Haggis, uh, the very best price that is available is 11-2, to two. acquitted with James Doyle on board, is 15-2, to two, Magical Morning, and Lanfranco de Torre, 8s with a couple of firms, Pythagoras 9s and Ransom is tens. Uh, take us through this race and you're thinking, Rory. I'm veering towards my old friend Beat Lebon here. He's a long time between wins, but again, ran really well at Ascot last time out. Um, he was, he's, he's uh, running in um, good handicaps his last two starts and hasn't been beaten far. Obviously, he was fifth in the in Hunt Cup. Um, and he was only beating a neck at Doncaster off 103 before that. Yeah. I think, although um, although he's not one, as I think Sandown will suit him really well. He's a horse who tends to um, come from the back of the field, um, but is very strong at the finish. Um, the one, his one moderate run this season was first time out at um, first time out on turf at Doncaster, where bizarrely. Um, despite the fact they're running into a headwind, they made the running with them. The one race where being held up. Would have been a massive blessing uh, for for unknown reasons. They decided to make the running. He was, a, I mean, in fairness, he, he doesn't normally get out of the stalls terribly well, but he needs to be delivered from off the pace. Um, and he's got a couple of pieces of form that suggest that even off mark 104, he's perfectly well handicapped and I'm capable of winning a race like this. Um, acquitted to danger, um, he was 
a little disappointed to get Ascot on his on, in the Victoria Cup, but um, I think he'd probably benefit from uh, returning to a mile after a couple of runs at seven furlongs. He was um, he was a very good second in the spring mile, despite again doing a lot of work towards the front end. Um, he lost his form um, after a really good run in his reappearance last year, but he, he's run he's run three pretty solid races this year. I know as I was. He wasn't disappointing as such in the Victoria Cup. He was ninth and 27th. He was beating the majority of the field and was only beating three lengths. He was favourite that day. He seems to be holding his form a little bit better and, and stole two is a decent position from him. So I would be um, I would be very respectful of his chances. Um, Montezan obviously is, is, has got claims despite his big weight. Adam Farringer claiming five of him. Um, if he goes well for Adam, he's, he's got claims as well. But uh, I would... Um, I'd respect acquitted, but I'm going to go with Beat LeBron. This is going to be a decent price. Uh, I'm not looking at the odds there, but I'm so, I, I suspect he's a good he's a good price, isn't he? He's 16s. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 always he's always a little bit underrated. Mm. Um, he's got a, a good record at this sort of time of year as well. And although he's on a losing run, uh, and and you know he's got a he's got a run style that, that you know means he needs a little bit of luck. I think um, I think he's got a nice setup here. Okay, the way this race is liable to be run. Andrew Blair White was seething about the way they rode him at Doncaster at the start of the season. I was not. I was just. I was absolutely brain dead. I have no idea. I mean, I'm. I'm guessing all that's happened is that they thought he was going to bounce out last because he, you know, he tends to be slow. Yeah. I mean, he lost. He lost 15 lengths at the start of a race um, at Salisbury last season and still finished second in Group Company. Um, and I, I can only imagine they thought he was going to pop out towards the back of the field. And when he when he jumped out in front, they thought, well, don't disappoint him. Um, but it was just horrible tactics for the um, uh, for the race he was in. That was race one by top rank, of course. Yes, uh, brutal, brutal stuff. But um, to be fair, you were spot on about top rank. Uh, top plus, as we have two races to go, let me just tell you that if you are betting this weekend, and I'm sure that you are, Till Plus will provide you with the biggest and best value and the biggest and best pool betting payouts as Toto on a mission to provide betters, and particularly you, the loyal Final Furlong Podcast Army, with extra gravy. How does it do it? Well, it's an enhanced dividend on all of Tote's racing pools. So you're getting better value than ever before. And this actually cropped up not only during Royal Ascot, where uh, Tote beat the SP on the vast majority of races, but even just as recently as Monday. Play spot dividend at Lingfield, where there were 47.37 winning units, so congratulations to all of you who cracked it, uh, was £888.80. Well done in getting that. But if you'd done your bet with Tote directly, you'd have got £977.68. Ouch. You missed out on all that free gravy. And all you had to do was to go and place your bet at tote.co.uk, tote.ie, or the official Tote app. Not only will they guarantee to match the SP, but with Tote Plus, they will add 10% to your winnings, whether it's a place pot, an exacta, trifecta, quinella, quad pot, scoop six, or just a good old-fashioned place or win bet. It's a game changer. And it's up to you to take advantage of it. Because it's there. It's free money. So go do it. Join now. They'll even give you a free bet if you've never bet with Tote before. 
You can sign up now for an account, free bet, and get access to this potential gravy that's just sitting there waiting to be taken. Tote.ie, tote.co.uk, or the official Tote app. 18 plus, full terms and conditions are on the site, begambleaware.org. As I said, we have two races to go. One of them features an old favourite of ours, Rory. An old favourite of ours. Although she's not favourite, despite the fact that she was back in the winner's enclosure last time out. Uh, instead, it's our local Belly Lynch stud who owned the who, oof, agonisingly close to victory in the Irish Derby. Uh, this time they've got statement for Ryan Moore and Martin Mead. Uh, the men have trained that horse, of course, who was second in the Irish Derby. Lone Eagle uh, with Frankie on board. 15-8, uh, anti-birdie. And ready to venture both for Bridey, 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 Birdie. Yeah. Surely, no, it's Bridey. It's... Have you got Have you got an aunt called Birdie? Have you met a woman called Birdie? I'm, I'm, I had an aunt called Bridey, and I'm sure there was an Ian. Yeah, there you go. So surely more likely the auntie Bridey than auntie Birdie. Oh, let's we we gotta check this out. We gotta we gotta, we gotta it's get this. It's spelled B R I D Y. I'm not happy with this. I'm not happy with this at all. This um this makes little sense to me. Anyway, we'll just we'll go we'll go Rory's normally right, so let's just go with what Rory said, shall we? Um so anti blah 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 is um the market choice with uh, Adam on board, fours, uh, whereas the second string for William Haggis and Tom Mark is sevens, ready to venture. Uh, and then you're looking at Seattle Rock, who is currently a tens shot and Lucid Dreamer, which very much describes me lately. What the hell is going on? Uh, is a 12 to one shot as things stand. That's the best price that you can get. Right, Rory, uh, second last race of the day, the Coral Distaff listed race. What do you think? Uh, Seattle Rock's a terrible price, I'll tell you that. And she, the, she's really I tipped up at 81 last season for the uh, uh, for the Sweet Solera. That's right. She should have won. She should have won. She should have won. Um, but she's um, she did she eventually put her head in front last time. But that was an pretty a bad race. Loveless race. Bad uh, race. And even then, the fact she went off five to two for that showed that people thought she'd find a way of losing it. Yeah, um, but she uh, she did it all right. But and she did it in a in a very ordinary time. Also, uh, Ryan Moore was on board even, and has yet and despite that has never written a statement and has decided, yeah, I'm going with a statement. I'm yeah, not, well, I'm not, I'm not getting back on her. Statement's got much more obvious form uh, claims than uh, um, than Seattle Rock does. Um, Seattle Rock, I think, will be a drift from that. Um, <sighs> I, uh, I'm trying to find something that's a little bit dark in the race. So, statements, I'm not mad to back her at the price. She she does have um, the best chance of winning based on her second in the uh, in the Fred Darling, but she's been below that form twice since. You can find excuses for her, but she was favourite in the Princess Elizabeth Stakes at, uh, um, at Epsom last time. She lost a shoe, but again, if you, if you keep a track of every horse that loses a shoe, you'll find that... Um, it's not always an excuse for the for the run in question, um, unless you know, uh, unless they've they've got a uh, a nail in the foot as a result of that. Um, a lot of a lot of shoes get lost as well, you know. Um, so I was a little bit disappointing. Obviously, her second alcohol free in the in the Fred Donnelly looks really good now, uh, with alcohol free um, winning well on the Coronation Stakes. But um, 
you do have to look at those subsequent races and just ask a little bit of a question. The Fed Darling is solid form. Um, it's worked out um, worked out pretty well on the whole. Uh, Primo Basho, of course, was a very impressive winner. Um, she was a big outsider. She was the one who looked to hold the form line a little bit at Newbury, but she was very impressive at um, uh, at York. Um, and plenty of those in behind have, have run um, at least respectably uh, since to, to to boost the form. So if Stitman gets back to the form she showed there, um, she really ought to be winning. Um, as I said, it's just a concern that, you know, she's had two chances since it's below form. Obviously, the first of those was the Guineas, and that was a tough ask for her. Um, and the second one was against the older Phillies last time. Right? So there are reasons why she should bounce back. And I'm not suggesting for a second she shouldn't be favoured for this, but um, I'm not I'm not going to be pining into her. It's short of two to one. Uh, Glasgow girl might be better than she's shown. And uh, she's, you know, there's... There's an argument to be to be with her at a biggish price. Um, she was disappointing at um, at Ascot, but you, you can put that down. You could arguably put that down to the ground, uh, although she is, you know, she's got form and heavy. Um, but um, to be honest, the, the concern with her is she might just be an all-weather horse. Um, her two her two best performances have come on Tapita, so that might just be the key to her. Um, I think Ariel will run well. Oh, good man, Rory. Um, she Come on, Oshin. Um, uh, she won her second start at, uh, at two. She represents a yard doing really, really well this season. Mm-hmm. She ran a strange race at Newbury last time out. Um, a repeat of that still gives her play-ins, but she, I don't think she gave her true running, um, just the way that, that race panned out, the Abingdon Philly States at Newbury. Um, prior to, to that race, she had shipped very well when second to creative flair uh, in a race uh, the, uh, what they've called Royal Ascot Trials there at Ascot which is an absolute liberty in itself <laughs> but she, she ran well there on a reappearance um, looking like she might just need the run behind Creative Flair uh, and that's good for him um, and it looked like she would build on that she ran against Creative Flair again she was beaten further but she ran a funny race in that she was well positioned and then she got shuffled back towards the back of the field um, before you know, sort of plugging on late in the day. Just don't think that was her running for whatever reason. Um, and I'd be more than happy to give her another chance. It, interesting that, that they're um, uh, they are dropping her back to a mile after that trial for a mile and a quarter. Um, she's got a, a mixed pedigree. You wouldn't say she didn't stay that day, but she didn't. She didn't do enough to think that she was she was crying out from the trip. So she's dropped back on slightly softer ground, which I think will probably suit her. She ran. She ran very respectably on heavy ground in her debut. Um, and I think a, uh, a good gallop at a mile would probably suit her better than that kind of um, slightly stop-start race at, uh, at Newbury last time. So I think she's got scope to, to do better than she has. Um, and as I said, she'd give the impression to ask her that she would improve for that run. She didn't straight away, but I'll give her one more chance to do it. It should be a backable price. She's a half-sister to beat the bank who... Andrew Bowling did incredibly well with, and she's a big, strong, powerful filly as well. Um, and to me, when she was beaten by Creative Flair back in at Ascot, um, I very much took amusement to Ascot Trials Day there. Nice one, Rory. Um, I thought she had the brighter future of the two, and I was quite surprised that Creative Flair uh, opened up in the manner that she did it suggested that something wasn't quite right. And the fact that they'd come back 23 days later and go again tells me that they feel this is a horse capable of better. So, look, she's bred to be good. 
and um, Andrew Balding's in tremendous form, and so is Oshin Murphy. So uh, she was my pick, and thank you very much, Rory Delage. Uh, we'll take the eight to one. Thank you, sir, about Aurea. Although I must warn you that that eight to one is coming under a lot of. Oh wait. No, it's coming under a lot of pressure, actually. Oh, dearie me. Uh, there are firms who will give it to you, but um, it's coming under pressure. And now that Rory said it, it's going to come un- under even more pressure. Right. Race of the day. Feature race. Let's go. This is the one. A race that has been won by some of the icons of the turf. One of the greatest races of our time. Even in the last decade, we've had Enable, Ulysses, Nathaniel, Reath, So You Think, all in the winner's enclosure here. And we get four runners. So screw you in your each way betting. It's win only. Four turn up for the Coral Eclipse. Mishraf, who's been an absolute superstar for Connections is understandably after flip-flopping and is now favoured. 10.2 million in prize money he's won. Admittedly, most of that in the Middle East. But hey, go get it. Go get that gravy. St. Mark's Basilica has won three Group 1s in a row as we double back to the Dewhurst last season. So he's going for a four-timer in Group 1 company. Adeb, who claimed the scalp, of Mishrup at Ascot, proving that he could win a Group 1 in the Northern Hemisphere and didn't just have to go down under and beat up all the rubbish, useless Australian middle-distance horses that he could actually do it on his own doorstep as well, is in here at 130. And then there's El Drama, who's 20s. We are where we are. I hate that phrase. I bloody hate it. But It is what it is. <laughs> Top comeback. We got four. I think Mishraf is world-class. I am very excited by St. Mark's Basilica. I'm very excited by this decision to go up to 10 furlongs again. And, and look, we've got Adeab in here as well. And I think realistically, so we're looking at three. Let's deal with St. Mark's Basilica first of all, because he's the three-year-old and getting the allowances. Aidan O'Brien hasn't won this race since uh, 2011 with So You Think. Uh, not to say that he hasn't tried. It's just that uh, that's the the way the, the cookie has crumbled. John Gosden has taken this four times in the last 10 years. St. Mark's Basilica is coming in here race fit. And he's getting the weight allowance. You can argue the Dewhurst form has completely disintegrated. But his victory in the 2000 Guineas, uh, Poetic Flair has come out and obviously done what he's done. Um, even though he was probably a little bit unlucky that day. Uh, and the French Derby. Is this a race that St. Mark's Basilica is a genuine 6-4 to four shot for? I said, that's not an easy call, to be honest. I, I don't think it was the greatest Prix de Jockey Club we'd ever see. Um, you know, Sealaway is is um, uh, thoroughly exposed. Very, you know, decent performer. Um, uh, consistent, a trier. But not a world beater. So, you know, the, the three who chased the Mars Pacific at home um, were on the PMU 53 to 125 to 133 to 1. Yeah. Um, so it's not formed to, to get massively carried away by. But in saying that, it was a 19-runner Group 1 race um, in which he always looked in control, to be perfectly honest. Um, so he, he deserves, um, yeah, he's won two classics um, and he deserves his place. So the, 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 um, the Dewhurst is 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 
by the by now. You know, he's he's uh, it's irrelevant how well that's working out given he's gone and won the, the French Guineas and the Derby. Um, those are probably very good opportunities for him, uh, in fairness. Uh, and he's those are only, his only two starts as a three-year-old. He's open to improvement. So, yeah, he, just, isn't he deserves to be um, uh, near the head of the betting lines, but he's put, arguably got more natural speed uh, than Mishriff does. Um, a day, listen, you can't rule a day by, and the grind is not going to be an issue for him. No, not so at I don't, all. I don't. I don't. I, I wouldn't be putting him in at a big price. I think he's. Um, um, I think Samar Spasilica probably needs to improve to beat a day. I think that's you know reasonably likely given one's a seven-year-old and one's a three-year-old. But I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Samar Spasilica is going to find the progress he needs um, to beat a, a really tough and honest and genuine com- um, competitor like a day. Um, the interesting plot twist here is that, that the market is all about Mishra from St. Mark's Basilica, yet. Adeyeb is rated 125. Mishraf is officially rated 122, and Saint Mark's Basilica is rated 120. Yeah, I mean, I'm not that. I, I don't. I don't absolutely swear by by um, um, official figures um, in that regard. Take that, handicapper. Um, yeah, but there's not there's not much read. I mean, look at look at uh, adjusted time point figures. One three five a day. One three eight um, Mishraf. One three three p Saint Mark's Basilica. Saint Mark's Basilica is the one who needs to improve, but that's. That's you know that's that's a function of, of how little racing he's had as a um, as a mature horse. Yeah. Um, his juvenile form largely irrelevant. Um, it's what he's done this season that kind. So he, he's had two runs to establish himself. Um, Mishra's you know had two seasons, um, and of course you know his his uh, very best form isn't in this country. Mishra, worth bearing that in mind. Um, that his one disappointment last year um, came in the uh, um, in the Champion Stakes over this trip. Um, after um, you know he'd been globe trotting before that, um, but you know he, the balance of his form making the, the the horse to beat. Um, you know he's obviously had uh, had a he's paid a couple of visits to to Saudi Arabia because of his ownership. Uh, I'm not sure that's necessarily ideal. You know it wouldn't be ideal uh, if you wanted to win um, big prizes in the UK to be sending your horse out to Saudi Arabia in February for a competitive race. But that's what he's done the last two years. Um, won the Saudi Cup this time around. Last year he was an unlucky second in Saudi Oof. Derby, um, and he did very well to come back from that and, and, and win the prizes he did last year. Um, but um, yeah, based on um, on his win in the uh, on the Shima Classic, he looks better than ever. Um, and again, you'd expect him to be fit after over three months off. But it's you know this it's an interesting three way go. As I said, you know, arguably the best Eclipse Stakes ever run was a three runner race. Um, three of the, you know, three of the outstanding horses of the early part of the 19th century when um, Art Patrick beat Scepter and, and Roxanne. Um, and those, that, that was the field for the race. So there's no reason why a, a three-runner, you know, I'd be very surprised if the outsider, um, El Drama, got involved here based on uh, the balance of his form. But this could easily be an absolutely cracking three-way goal between Ate, Mishriff and, and St. Mark's Basilica. And it's not really a race that I'd want to, that I, I feel strongly compromised about yeah, funny. I don't either because I, I'm less convinced yeah, I'd probably, about. I'd, I'd, I'd probably be drawn in by value, you know, depending how the how the market shapes up there. And you know, does that mean you would side with Adeya? Not backing a day because he ends up being a little bit underrated. There. Yeah, that that means you still... don't win eclipses. But he's he's a really really solid performer, yeah. um, and you know he's he's going to be ready for this. But yes, yeah, a strange one in that. You don't often see races like the Eclipse where, um, where the, the the last place the horses ran were 
Randwick, Maidan, and, and um, Shanti. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what it's all for. That's all for. like that. Um, look, I, I really like Mishriff. I think he's a very, very talented horse. I'm very excited. I love Mishriff, mainly because he reminds me of a, of a proper female chaser. Um, that's what I like most about Mishra. In fact, he, he runs with his, his head between his legs. Um, is a, is a, uh, it, it's just a really, it's a really likable attitude. It reminds me of what's called Seven Stars. He really, really trained many moons ago. But as a pick, as a pick in this race, and, and we have to pick something, um, I'll side with St. Mark's Basilica. And the reason I'll side with him is because I've been so, I, I loved his Dewhurst win. Um, you're right, that form's irrelevant because of what he's gone on to do. I thought his victory in the French 2000 Guineas when Poetic Flair had been so good at Newmarket uh, was deadly. And I thought his win in the French Derby was deadly. Um, you're right, it's probably not. That Qatar Pretty Jockey Club is probably almost certainly not the, the most vintage renewal of the race. But it was how he did it that impressed me. And um, in a small field, Ryan Moore on a horse that has more tactical speed than we thought as a juvenile, um, a horse who's really grown up and is just beautifully bred, I, I find it very difficult to get away from him. Uh, and and Mishriff, yeah, look, Mishriff may very well be fit. You could be right. But he does have a 98-day gap to overcome. So if he's going to be second favourite, then I'm going to start, side with St. Mark's Basilica. It's, if for some reason Mishriff went on some wild, wild drift, I would think it's because he's lost a leg. And um, I would go, I might even take a chance here and go St. Mark's Basilica, Deib, exacta, straight exacta, and uh, try and get Mishriff out of the frame. But um, that's that's how I'm going to play it. You, you, by the sounds of things, you're going to side with Deib. No, unless if, I, if if you ask me for my pick in the mist, I'm going to be Mishra. Mishra, okay. Um, but as I said, I don't I don't feel strongly enough to to um um to be throwing money at this race. And as I said, if I was going to bet, it's one of those things. You know, I might end up being being drawn to to the one the three the, excuse me the one of the trio who ends up being ignored in the betting. Just you know, that's the kind of way I'd be drawn in. Um, I'll try not to. I'll try just to enjoy it as a spectacle. To be perfectly honest, I think I think Mishra is the one to beat on form. But as I said, Agreed. you know, his, you know, his 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 UK form amounts to one winning a novice as a two-year-old, and then and then winning the uh, uh, the listed Newmarket Stakes. Being the um, wrong John yeah. Gosden horse to win. All the money Indeed. was for Valconic, and uh, and he was the one who Indeed. burst on. But through. yeah, but in fairness, I think you know, I, I I wouldn't make an awful lot off that. I think he'll be, uh, I think he'll be fully effective. It's just that ask it, uh, you know, a couple of. Gosden's horses didn't run well at Ascot, at, mm. at the um, at, you know on, on Champions Day as a rule last year. Uh, Palace Pier disappointing on the same Stradivarius day. Um, so I'm inclined. Stradivarius was run stinker. Uh, so I'm inclined to 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 write that off entirely. And and when you do that, Mishra's record looks really really good. Yeah, there are no flaws in it at all. And again, he's got the everything about him suggests he's he would be a better four year old than a three year old as well. So I think he deserves to be a warm favourite. Um, and, you know, he would be my pick in the race. But some races aren't about punting. This is a race that you can very easily just sit back, listen to what Nick and Lydia have to say, and just enjoy it on racing TV. Just 
relax and enjoy this race. This is a proper sporting spectacle. We've been treated to epic uh, games in the Euros. Like, just insane finishes. Love a penalty shootout, by the way. Absolutely love a penalty shootout. But uh, between Spain and um, uh, France getting getting duffed, uh, England go through... Um, Ukraine fight back. Like we've had some epic sporting moments, and some of the vast majority, ninety percent of my favorite sporting moments are racing. And I didn't always have a bet in those races, and this could be epic. Like Rory's right. Okay, my my sarcastic bit at the start, where it's like, uh, small field, nobody else could find a ten furlong horse, could they not? Uh, it's there's three really high class horses here. And these three high-class horses could make this a great race. So you don't have to have a bet in it. But that being said, I will be doing a patent slash lucky 15. And St. Mark's Basilica will be in it. For now, it's actually came from the dark, Aurea and St. Mark's Basilica. That's my patent right now for the weekend. So Rory Delargi, uh, what is your best bet for Final Forum Podcast listeners? Uh, I'll go came from the dark in the, um, in the uh, charge. Boom! I'll go Aurea then. Uh, and the Carl Distaff, uh, because she was on my list, and then you go and mention her, and I'm like, oh, Rory Delargi, you absolute hero. Uh, I will give a small mention to, I, just, I have a feeling there's a big race in Soto Sizzle for the old Newton Cup. So maybe it'll become a lucky 15, and we'll um, we'll stick in as well. So Soto Sizzler will give a small mention too. Rory, we can read your content as well as uh, listen to your dulcet tones here on the Final Forum Podcast, in the Irish Fields, uh, and also the Irish Daily Star, uh, this weekend. Uh, yeah, Irish Field this weekend, Irish Daily Star, Monday through Friday. And Sporting Life? Uh, sporting Life, myself or Mr. Massey, uh, every day. Happy days. Rory Delargi, it has been uh, a delight and a pleasure to have you back on the show. Uh, very much looking forward to talking to you on Thursday as we look ahead to another weekend's racing. But for now, my friend, enjoy this weekend. And uh, thank you very much for your insight, your input, and your expertise. And uh, we'll get you back up that NAPS table and uh, regain. Regain or retain your crown as the rightful NAPS champion. We'll chat to you soon, my man. Okay, thank you very much. Take care. And for me, uh, look after yourself. Take care. And um, look, it's a bit strange right now in Ireland. 500 people can go to the races in in the Republic, but uh, things are not opening up as quickly as we thought. It's very frustrating. But hey, um, we're all in this together, and uh, we'll get through it. So head up. Stay safe. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Think you can't get better value? Think again. 10% bigger dividends when you bet direct with Tote Plus at tote.co.uk.